Hi, Rodney Jane here from Bob Jane T-Marts. Specialists in tyres and wheels for over 50 years. We stock what tradies need. Tyres, wheels or batteries, we've got you covered. Steel or alloy wheels, 15 inch plus. Big brands such as Monster, R08, CSA, Fuel, PDW and Dynamic. A massive range. Tyres, we love tyres. All-terrain, mud-terrain, 4x4 and SUV tyres. We stock all the top brands such as Bridgestone, BF Goodrich, Falcon, Goodyear, Michelin and Yokohama. Make your 4x4 ute or van look awesome. Cracking deals at Bob Jane T-Marts. We won't be beaten on price. We'll look after you. Test season apply. been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Welcome back to the Parked Up Podcast. We are powered by Race Fuels here. My name is Grant Rowley. I have a couple of awesome guests on this pod. I've got Thomas Randall, who's on the line now. I've got Kevy Fitzsimmons coming up. Of course, he's from Dunlop. Uh, out of all the uh, people who are at racetracks, other than the drivers and the TV commentators, I reckon Kevy's the most uh, next most seen on TV. I'll catch up with him later. Right now, I've got Thomas Randall. He drives the Castrol Mustang uh, up to the start of race two on Sunday. An awesome weekend at the Bend. And unfortunately, Thomas, it all went horribly wrong with that start line incident. The Castrol Mustang just did not move and you got slammed very heavily from Andre Heimgartner's Commodore from behind. How are you feeling? Yeah, hey Grant. Um, yeah, look, you're probably not wrong. It's probably a bit of a hybrid of a Mustang and a Commodore now after that crash. Um, but uh, no, look, I'm feeling okay. Just, yeah, still a bit sore in a couple of spots. I think where my body's just, you know, hit, hit a few things in the cabin. But I tried to do my best job at bracing myself. Uh, kind of thought that, I just had this feeling that, yeah, unfortunately someone was going to hit me. So I just tried to get in a, in a brace position. Um, but, yeah, most importantly, just thankfully, Andre and I are both okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish the same could be said about the, the cars. But uh, at the end of the day, they did their job. And I know it's been mentioned a lot that it's just so great that uh, the category has advanced, you know, with the, the safety of these cars. I mean, this car has been... In, uh, in circulation since 2013 and the beauty of the, the cough car the car of the future is that the fuel cell was placed in front of the rear axle compared to the old project blueprint car which was behind the rear axle and just so thankful we didn't have a repeat of the 2011 uh one crash with, with carl reimler so uh, yeah that's probably i guess the best outcome out of a pretty crappy situation you know i mean as you said it was a pretty awesome weekend up until then and being on the front row was a pretty special feeling for the first time and Tinkford's first front row lockout since 2016. So it was all looking so good. And then, yeah, not long after that, it turned pretty pear-shaped. So tell me what exactly happened off the line? Uh, well, I guess the team will probably do a bit more investigating. But I guess from my point of view, I was I, I treated it like any other start. I mean, um, yeah, you pull up to the grid. Once you stop there, you put the car back in neutral and, Especially when you're in the front row, you're waiting for an even longer time for that last car to grid up. So uh, you're probably waiting there for maybe 20 or 30 seconds. And then, uh, yeah, green flag waves back. Five second board came out. So I put my foot in the clutch, grabbed first gear and, you know, just tried to find the bite point and the right amount of bar throttle position or percentage. And then it just started grabbing. So then I yeah, put my foot back all the way down the clutch. 
and then it just kept grabbing and I thought, oh no, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna be good. And then uh, yeah, it just kept grabbing and then the car actually yeah stalled, um, which was just before the lights went out actually. Um, so at that point I knew that it was uh, not looking good and it's a pretty daunting feeling. It's it's really one of the uh, one of a driver's worst nightmares stalling on the front row, especially when there's 20, 25 other cars. And uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of cars, were, well, I guess 10 cars were able to get through. And then, yeah, I put my hands up. That was the first thing I did and just a bit of an a open wheel of reaction to sort of say, hey, I've stalled. And then I sort of thought, well, they're actually probably not going to see that. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, just had this feeling. So I um, braced myself as best I could. And then, yeah, then, then came the big hit. And I think they were saying it was around about 38 to 40 Gs. So, uh, yeah, it's just, in a way, very lucky the way Andre hit me. I mean, I've, I've seen his onboard and it's pretty sickening. And there's really nothing he could have done. And uh, as I said before, I'm just thankful that him and I are both okay. Got out of there unscathed. And, um, you know, we'll both live to fight another day. And, yeah, it's just a shame that the two cars... Uh, not in the, the great, the best of states either. So tell me what uh, you got taken to uh, hospital. What were your, uh, what were your injuries? What were your symptoms and, uh, and how are you feeling now? Well, it was quite, it was funny in a way, uh, Andre and I both shared an ambulance back from the, uh, from the track. So I, I never got to see really the team or the car or anything. Um, and one of the paramedics called into the hospital saying, you know, high-speed car crash. Um, a car hit another hit a stationary car at 140 k's an hour, and then they said that the drivers were able to extricate themselves. And the, the people at the hospital must have thought we were made of steel because uh, <laughs> they probably realised that we were in race cars at that point. Um, but, yeah, we got to the hospital. Just, just a precautionary scan for me on my foot. Uh, and I think Andre had a scan on his chest, and they were both all clear. Uh, I, I then got an MRI done on my foot again the next day because it's it's bruised up quite a fair bit. Um, but yeah, just came back with a bit of uh, inflammation of the soft tissue. So no, nothing major. Um, and then yeah, just must have whacked my arm on something because that's a bit sore. So, but yeah, nothing that'll stop me from running at the next event uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks at Sandown. So that, that's, yeah, that's obviously uh, the best, best case scenario. You'll be back. I don't think your car will be back for Sandown. <laughs> Probably going to do their best job at, at rebuilding it, or they will do their best job at rebuilding it, but not not anytime soon. That'll just be probably done over a you know a, a long and thorough process. Um, but yeah, I, I, from what I'm told, I'll be running in the this chassis that Zach ran on the weekend. Um, so yeah, just have to slap a few Castrol and BP stickers on the car, and yeah, should be right as rain. Well, I tell you what, there's nothing wrong with that chassis. It uh, obviously the sensational pole position for him in only his second solo race. So, an outstanding effort from him there. Well, I guess everyone understands there was some questions over those uh, tyres, but you know what, the guy still had to go out there and do the job, and he did it. Um, you know, I guess you're still, you know, pretty young in your in your supercars career. How big a moment is that for Zach? With, with what he was able to achieve. Yeah, I mean, as you said, look, yeah, don't want to get involved in all the uh, all the politics of what went down with the tyres, but uh, at the end of the day, as you said, he still has to do the job. 
you know, I mean, uh, you can look at where the other wild card qualified. Uh, so he did a yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. He, he performed quite impressively, I should say. And even in the race, you know, he held his own. Um, and it's cool that I'll be teaming up with him at uh, the Bathurst 1000 later in the year. So, um, hey, he drove well. And, uh, you know, even on Sunday, um, in the second and the final qualifying, you know, he qualified seventh on the same same um, batch of tyres there. So, you know, as much as people, I guess, put a question mark on his Saturday performance, he still did a, yeah, still qualified bloody well on Sunday. Um, and it was just a shame. I think he had a white motor failure on Sunday last race. Um, you know, I didn't see what happened in the first race on Sunday, but uh, no, he did a great job. And yeah, it was nice to um, to see him uh, have, a, have a good run. I mean, um, yeah. Teaming up with him soon, and he'll be running he'll be back for Dunlop series uh, in a couple of weeks in Sandown as well. Very good. Okay, cool. So, the short term future for Thomas Randall. So, by the time people listen to this podcast, um, the next round of the Supercars E series would have been run and won. Uh, will, will we have watched you on Wednesday night? Uh, no, actually, I, I can't make it on Wednesday night. Um, some other commitments, but I'll be back in two weeks after that. The following cool. week, I'll actually be uh, in the UK, so uh, forward to getting over there for a week. And yep. uh, yeah, it should be, should be really good. So tell us, what's the UK trip about? I just want some better weather, Grant. <laughs> I'm um, heading over there with my engineer, and I'm going to do some driver training with uh, with Rob Wilson. So uh, that should be really good. So Rob is a world famous driver. Driver trainer. All of the gurus have gone through gone through there. You've done a bit of time there in the past. It does sound it, it's it's weird, isn't it? Like uh, uh, you know, saying a, a professional race driver like yourself needs to go over and get driver training. But uh, you know, tennis players at the highest level, golfers at the highest level, have trainers who are constantly with them refining their game, keeping their technique right. Is this just a bit of a refresher for you? Just a um, just a reminder, uh, you know, how do, how do you look at it? That's exactly how I look at it, yeah. I mean, I saw Rob, I've seen Rob once before back in 2019, pre-COVID. Um, and yeah, it's just good to get a refresher. And as you said, tennis players, uh, you know, cricketers, you name it, uh, they, they, they've got coaches and uh, it's no different for us. You know, like to think we're doing the best job in the car, but you know, there's always ways you can improve as a driver. So, looking forward to getting over there and just trying to extract a bit more speed from myself. So, what type of cars will you get to? Will you get to drive? How and how many days does it go for? Yeah, so it's it seems pretty, um, you know, from the outside, probably seems pretty illustrious, and uh, it's actually it's actually uh, in a in a road car or in a hire car. Um, a high car bike. Uh, I know the last time I was there, we were driving in, you know, an equivalent of a whole Nastra. And uh, I don't even know what, it doesn't even know what tyres are on it. I mean, it might be a Continental on the front left, a Bridgestone on the front right, a Dunlop on the left rear. Oh, no man. idea what the tyre pressures mixed, are. Mix, mixed match tyres. Yeah, mismatched tyres. It's, it's coming to haunt us again. <laughs> no, look, it's, uh, it's, um, it's cool though, because at the end of the day, for, for, for Rob, it doesn't matter what what you're running. It doesn't matter what tyres are on it. 
doesn't matter what the pressures are, none of that. It's just about how you can extract the most amount of speed out of what you've got. And at the end of the day, when you're in the race car, you're never driving the perfect race car. And there's so many factors that can influence the way the race car handles based on a driver's inputs. You know, it's the same with, with tennis. Uh, as we said before, you know, the way the ball uh, travels over the net, you know, that's sort of influence on how you hit it, well, it is influence on how you hit it with a racket. So, uh, yeah, all the inputs, I mean, we, we can create our own understeer, we can create our own oversteer. So it's just about trying to work out, yeah, the best way to, uh, as I said, extract the maximum out of the car you're driving using your skills. Cool, and uh, and how and bringing your engineer as well is, I guess, also important. So um, they're obviously not going to sit in the driver's seat with you, but uh, what 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 do you think your engineer will get out of it? Well, he'll be in the back. He'll be in the in the he'll be sitting in the back seat, probably uh, back seat driving. Oh, <laughs> nah, he does go for the drive. Yeah, yeah, he opts in too. Yeah, so we all travel together. Again, like I said, it's not about you know. What, how much the car weighs, it's just trying to extract the maximum. So uh, we just, you know, Rob in the passenger seat, I'll be driving, Ray will be in the back, and then Rob will have a drive and probably smoke me. That's normally, <laughs> normally what he does uh, yeah. for all these drivers, you know, whether it's F1 drivers, IndyCar drivers, uh, WEC drivers. But I think Ray will get a lot out of it because, yeah, I mean, he's, he's never driven a race car before, but we've been working really well together this year. I mean, before every round, he comes over to my place and, do uh, a few hours on my simulator and just trying to uh, work on yeah my technique and then he actually jumps on the simulator too does a few laps to sort of get an idea of of the track and you know what's required which is really cool and um yeah i've, I've really enjoyed building on that relationship with him this year and i think it's gonna be really beneficial for both of us in, uh, next week yeah awesome cool um okay well you boys stay uh just uh yeah, stay super professional over there. I'm sure you'll uh, no no uh, no secret boys to us uh, while while you're away. Do you have? Is there anything else you're going to do while you're over there, or is it just a, a very quick uh, trip over? Are you going to go visit um, the Big Ben or something? <laughs> well, I think um, I'm going to try and catch up with my buddy uh, Jack Aitken over there uh, on the first night, and then uh, we'll go see Rob for a couple of days, and then trying to uh, organise catching up with M Sport and uh, doing some, hopefully, some cool things with their WRC team. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, and then we'll probably spend a couple of days touring around London, which uh, I haven't done for a few years. Uh, but I think Ray will catch up with, try and catch up with some of his, he's got a few buddies over there and should be should be a good week mixing, you know, a bit of, uh, bit of the driving stuff with just taking, uh, hopefully, taking a bit of a break as well. Cool. And uh, yeah, and not long until we're back inside uh, supercars. A new supercar for yourself at Sandown. But, um, mate, the uh, the best thing is that, you know, after watching that um, frightening incident, frightening for us on the outside, but uh, we, we can hardly imagine what it was like for you on the inside. So looking, watching you guys get out and uh, get yourself checked over. The uh, the old crashed up bits of metal can they can be fixed. It was just awesome to see both of you guys get out, and uh, I certainly appreciate you giving some time here on the Parked Up podcast. 
Hey, welcome, Grant. It's been a pleasure to chat as always. And uh, maybe next time I'll have the banana bread out again. <laughs> oh, there you go. For anyone who doesn't understand that reference, go back a few episodes of Parked Up and you, you'll hear uh, the last time Thomas and I spoke and uh, there was a piece of controversial banana bread involved in the uh, in the conversation. Thomas Randall, all the best, mate. Enjoy the UK. We'll see you at Sandown. Thanks, Grant. See you then. Cheers. And we thank Thomas Randall for his time on the Parked Up podcast. We've got Kevin Fitzsimmons coming up now. But not right now. We need to do a little ad break from our great friends at Race Fuels. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state-level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 is available at racefuel.com.au. That's enough about fuel. Now it's time to talk about the man who puts those black Dunlop rubber things on those Repco Supercars championship cars that compete all around the country. His name is Kevin Fitzsimmons, and he is right here, right now on Parked Up. Hey, it is cool to have Kevin Fitzsimmons on the Parked Up podcast here. Kev, you are always on TV. You are always uh, always in the news. Tyres are a very important part of, of motor racing, but you basically haven't missed a race meeting since the dawn of time. Yeah, it's getting a bit that way now. It's uh, Sandown 1990. I've done every event since then. So, has any, is, is anyone better? Is, has anyone been to more, like beat you in that statistic? I don't think so. I think I'm I'm it now. Ray Robbins was up there for a long time, who uh, one of the technical guys from Supercars. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, there's you know Joey Sullivan from Gary Rogers Motorsport and everything. But they've uh, now changed camps and everything. But yeah, so uh, I'm the uh, the last man standing, as they say. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a it's a, a pretty cool statistic. And uh, I just uh, I read a little article just beforehand, and even um, broken legs and birth of children and all of those types of things even that that meant that you didn't miss uh, yep. race meetings so um you are missed a commitment when it comes to australian touring cars and supercars yeah it was just one of those things that uh, the timing worked out uh yeah pretty amazingly with with, with lots of things and that but yeah two ankle reconstructions and um you know having surgeries on friday and back at work monday in moon boots and sitting in uh, office chairs using my crutches like ski poles um riding through the warehouse i'm in the ohs people would uh would hate me <laughs> <laughs> it felt like forever you were in that moon boot as well yeah mate yeah 10 months 10 months and wow. that was 100 because i didn't keep off it and after i broke the fifth one the doctor said to me he said if you uh break another one of these he said uh you know i'm, I'm basically going to report you because you're just not following my instructions you know mm -hmm. rest and all that sort of stuff but uh that sort of kind of doesn't work in my vocabulary these days it's uh it's um you know, maybe I'm a control freak, I don't know, but uh, it's, yeah, it's just the way things get done around here, you know, it's uh, sort of do it yourself and make sure it's done right because there's a fair chunk of pressure on uh, arriving at a race meeting and making sure we got all the tyres there or something's not missing out of the truck or anything else like that, but uh, if you didn't, wouldn't do it if you didn't enjoy it. Yeah, no, you uh, you definitely enjoy it. Uh, you know, it's great to always see you at the track. But uh, let, let's uh, heaps to heaps to talk about 
tires are always the a huge focus point like not not just for supercars but for any motorsport and i remember my dad when i was doing go-karting or you know as a young kid and he was talking about getting licenses or whatever he would always say tires are the most important thing on any race car or any vehicle it's the only thing it's the only thing that connects the car to the road so uh, i kind of grew up thinking well geez these tires are really important you know when your dad's telling you all these things when you're 12 and 13 years old it made me pay attention now um it's been your life it's been something that has you know you've you've been in and around for uh what are we going on now 30 30 years from that Sandown 1990 event but um surely that wasn't the first time you went to a race car event tell us about how Kevin Fitzsimmons young Kevy got involved in in race cars and loving race cars Mate, it's it's quite bizarre when you start winding the clock back a bit and everything. But um, my brother uh, raced speedway and sports sedans in Adelaide, um, and uh, I my first job, I guess you'd say, that I ever had was selling programs at Adelaide International Raceway in nineteen seventy three as a eleven year old. <laughs> so um, uh, he had the, um, the he was tied up with the Marlborough double decker bus and everything, and they had all that um, through the dealer team. Thing. So he was involved uh, very heavily out at Adelaide International Raceway with um, a lot of the promotional stuff and selling T-shirts and all of those things and everything. So that was my first tie-up with, with in the motorsport stuff as far as getting paid to go to an event as an 11-year-old. Um, yeah, selling programs at AIR. It just got into my blood. Um, yeah, my dad was interested in it as well. And um, to, to sort of morph into being interested in the mechanical side of things and that. And then I... Uh, was working at a, a wrecking yard part-time um, after school and on Saturday mornings and school holidays and things like that when I was sort of 14, 15. But then uh, the Develco company was formed, which was uh, uh, Simon Aaron, Peter Finch and Bernie Fitzner, by, you know, just building sports and then. So we had um, the uh, uh, McCormack Jag, Peter Finch's Monaro, Clem Smith's Charger, uh, Barry Bray's Stanza, um, Tony Parkinson's Commodore uh, back in, like I'm talking 77, 78, 79 when the Commodore was a, a, a new thing mm. um, and things like that. So those sports sedans were all built at a suburb called Welland in, in Adelaide and uh, I was going in there rubbing roll cages back and getting on the oxy torch and cutting floors out so body shells would fit on top of chassis that Simon had meticulously welded and fabricated everything on and just all that sort of stuff. So it just sort of grew and grew and grew and you know, getting my hands dirty and that side of things. And then I started playing with speedway cars myself and uh, had a fair bit of success with that. Uh, running a little uh, XU1 Tirana in Adelaide, um, running around the place when I was an apprentice mechanic and um, all the all the country tracks and everything else like that. And for a little while there, I was actually earning more money racing than it was as an apprentice because an apprentice's wages back then were like $85 a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was lucky enough to win a, a couple of state titles and everything. It was like, you know, um, they were paying me good tow money to go to a racetrack and uh, have the locals knock off the, the big city boy with number one on his car. And um, it was actually quite good. You'd run Murray Bridge Friday night, Wakery Sunday, or you'd go to Bordertown and race there and then over to Redmark the, the next the next day and you'd sort of Adelaide Friday night. And, you know, it was just, um, it was very, very busy, but bloody enjoyable times. And uh, that continued on for, for quite a while. Then I moved classes. And uh, went up to the modified sedan 
um, class and uh, Mark Peacock from Sascar Engineering in Adelaide, um, who built a lot of a lot of very very successful speedway cars, and that built a pretty flash Commodore for me, and um, and we ran that. But then I um, unfortunately had an accident and broke uh, broke my wrist and my hand pretty bad and um the mechanical workshop i had at uh, bridgestone at the time i was uh, was the mechanic there and silly me put somebody else into uh, look after it while i was uh, recovering from the injuries and everything and he rode a customer's car off and he mm. went hey you didn't tell us <laughs> oh. uh, that was my fault um uh, it cost me a lot of money because it was a mercedes um so yeah the the racing thing sort of slowed up a little bit then but um right around that time uh, i'd already done the uh, Adelaide International Round at um, of the Touring Car Championship. Um, believe it or not, the, the guy that was meant to go out there and fit the, the tyres for Brocky uh, got gastro. So they actually rang me up and said, what have you got on today? The guy can't go out, blah, blah, blah. You're interested in race cars. Why don't you go and do it? So um, I chuffed off out to AIR, did that one. Uh, got on really, really well with a guy by the name of Mike Brett, uh, who was the Bridgestone Motorsport Manager at the time had extensive experience in Formula One, so he was a, a wealth of knowledge and and uh, yeah, we just spent a lot of time together chatting and we did a lot of the off-road races together and, and things like that. And that later that year, we did uh, uh, Sandown Bathurst and the Formula One Grand Prix in Adelaide. So that was sort of, you know, pretty cool because Brocky was a bit of a hero in the day and my, my father was a big fan of his and and everything to sort of start uh, working in that era was, was pretty good. And then Pete sort of jumped ships and went to the BMWs and um, we sort of went from there to the Sierra and then at uh, yeah, sort of Sandown Bathurst, AIR, then that morphed into Malamar. Um, it just sort of snowballed from there. And then um, when Pete went back with Larry Perkins uh, in the Commodores in 1990, it um, got to the stage where the Sierra tyres were already on the water when the announcement was made and all of a sudden we're going to have all these tyres and not what you know, not know what to do with them. And then that's when... Uh, the relationship with Glenn Seaton started, so um, he uh, he became on board, and it was you know around the time where the uh, the you know, series was going to change from Group A across to um, the the V eight era, yep. and uh, Glenn had some pretty healthy sponsorship at the time, and uh, we were able to do some some development, and it just got to the stage where it literally fell in my lap, where they said you know we, we're going to need someone to look after this full time. How about it? And um, I just sort of bit the bullet and said, yep, right oh, moved to Sydney. And, um, and yeah, the rest is history. It's just sort of, it's just uh, as simple as that. There was no rhyme, reason, method. I certainly didn't want to get involved in tyres, um, but it just happened. And I had some very, very good people to learn from. And um, here we are, yeah, 35 odd years later, um, still doing it. <laughs> and still not still having not missed a round have you ever thought about missing missing an event and just thinking i might just watch this one on the couch surely the uh my guys will be able to get the job done because you do have a lot of guys there it is a big logistical exercise to get those tires to make the show keep going yeah it is it's we work quite a long way in advance and i've got you know really really good people around me um aaron that's with me full time and everything he's uh He's a um, massive asset to the company and then and, and to our department. You know, there's only the two of us full time on this. Um, we have a truck driver, Stephen's uh, good old uncle. He's uh, um, does justice, does the race meetings and, and things like that. And then we source tyre fitters from the bow repair stores uh, around the country where we can. So that works out pretty good. But we've, we've got a really good team of guys that, that know the system 
um, the way it's morphed over the years and everything, it's it's actually it's it's simple, but people still watch us when we have situations where we, you know, especially with wet weather races and everything, we get tires going off, and that they just don't understand how you can keep track of things. But it's actually it's in slow motion for me. Um, it's it looks like chaos. You've got wheels and tires going everywhere and everything like that, but you just cast an eye over it and you just try and you know take in what's going on it's it's quite amazing how you can move a lot of tires in a big hurry sort of thing you know the big events like Bathurst and stuff like that you've just got to be prepared for the oddball one that sort of might come out you know Bathurst 2017 I think it was when we had the wet and um, the compressor went into nuclear meltdown uh, right in the middle of um, a major fit up and everything. We had sort of like 25 guys standing there after the first round of pit stops all wanting another set of wet. So there's 100 wheels and um, we've got no air. Uh, without air, we're in trouble. Air and power are our life form, you know. So, yep. uh, But you just deal with it at the time. We just sort of, right, on what's caused it? How do we get around it? Right, the teams have all got bucketfuls of dry ice and everything. Let's cool this thing down. And, um, you know, it was, it's yeah, it's just funny. It's sort of every now and then it's, life's full of challenges, but uh, you don't need them in the middle of the biggest race of the year, I tell you. So, uh, no. but um, that you know, I I uh, I'm passionate about the the sport in general. I mean, I love I, I, I like all sorts of yeah you know, all sorts of different sports. I do uh, all all sorts of things. My my uh, my daughter's exactly the same. She's uh, she's into sport big time with anything. We we watch all sorts of things and sort of uh, constantly ringing each other where I'm away and that I just see this did you see that and um, yeah it's it's just funny how it sort of it flows on you know but um, it, uh, it it's just it, the first time it's really hit me believe it or not that of what I've actually been involved in or I guess what I've achieved over the stuff was uh, after the four races in Sydney last year we uh, then had a week off prior to going to Bathurst and because we were COVID-ridden Victorias, we couldn't come home. So mm. um, we stayed up there in New South Wales and we went to Bathurst. Said to Aaron and Uncle, I said, bugger it, we're going to stay at the, the ridges. You know, that you always look at it there every year, look at the hotel and say, geez, it'd be good to stay there and everything. So we did it. Mm -hmm. We stayed there and we went to check in at reception and in the reception area, they've got a glass cabinet in there with a, one of the uh, model cars of every Bathurst winner. And that's when it actually hit me when I sat back and went, Wow, and I started looking and went that one and that one and that one and that one and that one. And then we started went through it and there was twenty-five of them yep. that I've supplied tires to that have won the race. And it that was a serious penny dropping moment where I sort of sat back and thought, geez, that's pretty cool. And then you have um it's um yeah, it just yeah, absolute yeah, it was a it was a real bell ringer. It was yeah, I just uh um you know, you sort of see at different times, you sort of see things that take your breath away. And that one really sort of hit me hard where it was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And, you know, there's, there's been a few moments like that in, in recent times. And, um, you know, the the, uh, the Super 2 podium at Bathurst last year and young Aaron Seaton ended up getting sort of the, the rookie of the round type of thing and everything. And I got to give him his trophy on the podium. Like I was basically there the day he was born um, with Glenn's, I was Glenn's tire guy sort of thing. So there's, there's certain moments that sort of come back and, and, and hit you pretty hard where you sit back and go, geez, it's... Uh, that's pretty cool. But the, the main thing with me is I, I forget that it's, it's, you know, to me, it's a job. And I forget that other people are super passionate about it and love the sport and stuff like that. For me, it's, it's work and it's, it's enjoyable. And, um, you know, people say, don't you get sick of, you know, packing a bag and going away, but I actually love that part of it. I, yeah, I, I'm not uh, one for sitting in an office. That's, that's not my go, you know? So uh, it's, um, yeah, it's just funny. But that was uh, the absolute 
penny dropping moment for me that it was just like, wow, that's, that's a fair achievement. So when you look at those 25 cars in that glass cabinet, do you did you look through and, and pick the year that you remember fondly or do you look through and pick the year, oh, geez, I remember that year and that was terrible. I need to, I need to remove that from my brain. Yeah, you do. There's, there's, you know, there's plenty of times. Um, 2008, from memory, we had it with a shocker there and everything, with a lot of um, left rear issues. Whether it was punches or curb cutting or something, there was a lot of really weird cuts. And I mean, Bathurst is is massive pressure just because of the uh, the status of the race, the, the the fact that it's it is the be all and end all. It's the one everybody wants to win. It's the one that's got the most eyes on it from all around the world all those type of things and you get the the your serious heart in the mouth moments like last year with Chaz um, when he ripped a massive chunk of tread off the uh, left-hand rear tyre and it started flapping. You just It's just really hard when you're in every garage uh, at a race meeting, you get on really well with all the crews, all the tyre guys, all the, and you sit back and it's a tyre that goes and you just sit back and you go, oh, geez, a little of those guys down again, you know, and yeah. you do take it to heart a little bit, but Going to Bathurst the first year we got through with not one issue at all, it was like, you know, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, every time I get there every year, I stand yeah, on top of the building and I look at that uh, Mount Panorama sign and, you know, just say, be kind to me, old friend. You know, it's uh, it's an incredibly special place. It's um, the one everybody wants to win. Everybody wants a name on that trophy. Um, so, you know, it's it's – Huge pressure leading into it. Uh, I keep getting reminded that I don't make the tyres so that when they have an issue or there's a, a problem and stuff, you can't help but feel it. You're the you're the face of the, the brand. You're the you're the one that people look at and point the finger at. And, you know, I have had plenty of stern conversations with team owners and engineers and drivers from time to time and, and things like that and everything. But when you get it right, it's, uh, it's a bloody good feeling, I tell you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and just uh, just so many so many challenges uh, that that place can can bring up, and I guess maybe the biggest challenge is the emotion that everyone feels for that. As you say, they want their name on that trophy. In some ways, your name is on that trophy twenty five times. So um, the uh, the engraver needs to uh, fix that up in some way, um, mate. Yeah. The the one one thing that Bathurst reminds me to, of of uh, with with Dunlop was, it wasn't a, uh, it, it, this is not a great, this is not a great one, but, and I've told this story a couple of times on the podcast, so I won't um, uh, bore everyone with the detail, but um, I think it was 2011 and there weren't enough wet tires that were ordered for the event. And we had a lot of wet weather forecast in the end, it didn't actually rain that much 2011. And you guys had to do a bit of an emergency um uh, bring tyres to uh, to Mount Panorama to make sure that supercars and Super Two at the time um, could uh, could get through the the race meeting. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure there's been uh, so many other close close calls. You've got to move tyres from you, your depots uh, down here in Melbourne, but you've got to move tyres all around the country sometimes, or used to all around the world. Um, it is a logistical nightmare to keep to keep the show going yeah it's it's um that was a that one was a a, a classic example of um a very wet sand down and then the unfortunate thing was a lot of the teams which they still do today uh went 
and did a heap of ride days on the Monday and also burnt up another heap of wets and everything. So that was a matter of them all arriving at Bathurst uh, with um, – uh, no, not the usual supply that what they have. So it was just one of those things. The main thing with Bathurst is we know uh, we've got tyres 12 hours away and that's that's the thing. So that was just a matter of going from there. But there was the situation where one of the teams had been using a set of tyres as travel tyres when they pushed the car in and out of the truck and everything for the earlier on in the year. And they those tyres actually ended up on the car on track somehow. So that all of a sudden there was this massive outcry that there was a three-second difference between this batch of tyres to the other batch of tyres. And mm. they came in, put it at a pit stop, changed the tyres, put new ones, newer ones on, fired the car out, and it was like three seconds a lap faster. And they've gone, oh, it, it's it's a tyre issue. That's where it came from. Um, but it's emotions get involved, and then it was, right, we've got to have all the tyres on the same thing. So that, that gets, that gets a, a whole other can of worms. With wet leather tyres, it's really difficult because you have the situations where some teams cover them up, some teams push them out of the truck and leave them sitting in the sun. Some of them are fresh tyres every time they run them, some aren't. Uh, the biggest thing with Bathurst, if you sit back and look at it at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning when it's bucketing rain and everything, but the weather forecast says it's going to be gone by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, everybody has a dry weather set up on the cars. So you've got the higher cambers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the problem being you want the car to be fast at the end of the race when it's on the dry tyre. So the wet weather tyre performance gets hurt and it gets hurt a lot. So we get a lot of wets back that the outside three blocks of the tyre, because the tyre doesn't generate the cornering for, the car doesn't generate the cornering force uh, in, in the wet. So the tyre doesn't roll like the dry tyre does and everything. So the outside three blocks aren't even touching the track with a lot of camber on. So they're actually basically driving on a, you know, 150 mil wide tire. Mm. That's that's a bit of an issue. So uh, that's that's where a lot of it comes from. It's really really difficult in the wet. I get lots of drivers continually saying to me, "Hate the wet, needs to be softer, etc., etc., etc." The wet we've got is the way it is, which is really an aggressive intermediate. It's quite hard because it's designed. It was designed initially for tracks where we didn't do pit stops, like Gold Coast and the Melbourne Grand Prix back in the, uh, the early 2000s. And the tyre hasn't evolved a lot since then because it is the type of thing now you can put it on and just run it and run it and run it and run it and it doesn't wear out in 8, 10 or 12 laps. Mm. You can actually do a long stint on the thing, even on a dry track, and the tyre will live. It won't be throwing blocks at the spectators. So um, it's, it is that way. And I just usually turn around being a, you know, the smart ass that I am sort of thing and say, well, you know, hey, we'll build you a monsoon tyre. No problems that we're going to salary sacrifice it. The drivers pay for it. Um, the, the tone of the conversation changes pretty quick when I say that. <laughs> so I know we don't really need that now, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cost-saving thing as well because um, the teams would be throwing ridiculous amounts of, you know, tyres at the car all the time. Um, so for the category point of view, uh, putting a category hat on, it's better to have the tyre that we've got now. From a racing point of view, yes, a racier, softer tyre may be the answer, but just got to be careful what you wish for because you don't want to um, be throwing lots and lots of tyres at the, at the cars. Great for us, for sales sort of thing and everything, but you don't want to be doing that because the, the guys down the back, you know, two-thirds of the field, um, it'll, it'll hurt them because the, the money's tied everywhere at the moment. So we've just got to be really, really careful what you wish for, you know. 
Yep. There's, there must be a great balance that you guys have to run, not just from the sporting point of view, which uh, you've spoken about a lot here, and we hear you uh, talking on the broadcast a lot. We hear uh, Neil Crompton, uh, Mark Scave talk a lot about tyres on the broadcast, which is um, completely fair enough. They, I think they get criticised a little bit for talking too much about it, but it is one of the um, you know big factors that, that we have. But it must be a big tightrope between uh, having tyres that can do the sporting job but then also produce the entertainment that, you know, we really need, which means, you know, you need tyres that, that wear out and, but they can't wear out too fast because the, uh, the teams will go broke if they're, uh, you know, you've got to bring uh, 50 sets to get through a weekend. Um, discussions between you guys and supercars and your marketing team, who I'm sure want to only produce the best possible outcome for all it's a a giant balancing act it's massive it's a really massive act and so the other thing too is with the supercar category the tire itself is a compromise because it's got to do both ends of the car so it's got to be a steer tire and a drive tire which your average road car wouldn't make any difference in a race car it's a very big difference so it's a compromise in in that era uh we've got different types of front uprights in the cars now and um different cars react different ways to things and everything. We're racing on 12 different track temp uh, surfaces during the year or every event. And then you've got temperature ranges from Winton uh, and even the Bend the other day, there were, it was, you know, it feels like temperature was minus 1.6 mm. um, to Darwin at 50 degrees. So track temps can, can vary enormously and things like that to have a tire that you can go to that will do all of that um, and still be safe and consistent is is a big big ask um and the price it is you know in real world terms from a, for a race tire and that is exceptionally cheap for what the, the teams are paying for it but it's easy when the factory are knocking out lots of the same tire it just makes it easier because they don't have downtime you know, any manufacturing industry hate downtime with changing molds and things like that so when i do my production orders uh, they they are normally two race meetings in a in a month's order and round about sort of fourteen to fifteen hundred tyres. Bathurst is a standalone build with eighteen hundred for the all the category, you know, the three categories up there with Super Two and Super Three, as well as the main Repco Championship. So we um, we we look at doing that and everything, you know, in a way that we can cover the thing off and and that way we can keep the price down. But it's certainly a logistical nightmare to, you know, the the, the current situation we find ourselves in with uh, worldwide freight. With shipping and, and things at the moment, everything is becoming more and more difficult all the time. So I'm lucky that I've got a, a ripper relationship with the factory, and um, they are quite happy to to produce early for us and move things around a little bit where we need to. So we we can actually get the calendar done pretty early. We're in production in September for next year, yeah. And um, go from that. We're still developing jerry cars at the moment we had another test uh yesterday at tail and bend uh which was very successful the um you know the the, the tire side of things with that at the moment we're, we're sort of still working through the program and and go but uh, i'm seriously looking forward to these cars hitting the track and everything from everything i've seen so far and you know big mean ugly angry race cars it's going to be uh 
it's going to be fantastic next year uh, when they hit the track. So um, we've got some exciting things to look forward to. But from our point of view, we're, we're pretty comfortable with uh, with where we're at at the minute. So, um, yeah, just uh, look forward to rolling into the future. I was at the bend and I saw you running around the uh the mustang and the camaro uh helping helping get the helping the guys get it done you play a real hands-on role uh not just on the tire side but you're working you know really close with with all the teams but this next generation of car that we're going to come see in the repco supercars championship next year is 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 really important um what how how much of a difference the is there any difference with the tires that we've got uh, that we currently have for compared to Gen Three, and um, yeah, yeah, tell tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the the cars are significantly lighter. Um, the the lot less downforce. The horsepower is slightly reduced uh, for what they are now. The you know, the the package itself and everything is actually working the way at the moment where we're sort of still chatting with supercars about it and everything, but it's basically looking along the lines of the current super soft tire and soft tire and another version that, that 2021 version of the super soft tire, which was uh, in between the two, they're, they're actually all working really good. We actually ran the hard tire again yesterday, which we'd done at, um, at uh, Townsville and at uh, Phillip Island when we tested there after the, the Grand Prix in Melbourne back in March or April. Um, so, yeah, you know, we, we've sort of like the current tyres are actually working in a different way than what they do on the current cars, which are heavier, more air, you know, more aerodynamic uh, downforce on the things and that. It's, it's, it's actually quite interesting to see how the lighter more nimble car is reacting on the same tire so we're we're heading down the path of uh you know sim very similar to where we are now as far as compounds go in, in the construction and then we'll get some some racing under our belt and and see what we need to tweak and everything but the all the signs at the moment with the cars are really encouraging they're the most paratized car of anything that we've ever seen i mean every single component in those cars every way thing weighs the way they're mounted in the cars etc etc will be the same so it, the the racing should be exceptionally good. I'm really really looking forward, you know. And uh, as I said, they're just mean looking race cars. They they are. We haven't seen the new body uh, on the on the Mustang yet. The new uh, shape that's out in September, I believe. So um, once I get going, but certainly the Camaro is just a, a real cool looking race car. So um, roll on twenty three. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be a nice little reinvigoration for. The championship probably similar to what we had in 2013 when we had nissans and uh, mercedes-benz and ultimately volvos as well up uh, banging around so um this is a uh, a cool change so yeah just interesting there that you'll go through so you're basically set now for compound and construction for 2023 but flexible in that you guys in that supercars and dunlop are are happy to let's see how the first bit of 2023 goes and we'll see what we do for the following years. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's this part of um, yeah, the discussions that we've had. That's the, the path we'll go down. I mean, it, you know, rolling these cars out in Newcastle next year is super, super important. And to have a, a component as critical as a tyre, uh, as you said, it's the only thing that connects you to the road, but something that the teams know and understand uh, will be a benefit. But as I say, it is reacting in a different way to what it does currently. So 
the um, the wear rate will be less with the car weighing less and everything, but they certainly move around a lot more. There's massive amount more driver input. They uh, they are going to be earning their keep next year. There's uh, <laughs> there's going to be no cruising races. I tell you, the um, they uh, they'll be getting out dripping wet. <laughs> they'll be working hard. So it's um, it's all looking it's all looking uh, pretty exciting from that point of view. But uh, but we uh, it, you know things like compound changes and stuff like that. If it's only a, a compound change, that's being a chemical change in the way the additives that go into the tire and everything those type of things can be reacted to reasonably quickly so that's good construction changes a different animal because we've just got to be you know careful uh, as to what what path we go down there just to as to what we want to achieve if we need a tire that breaks better or a tire that drives better or turns in better or whatever but the benefit being is once the championship gets going supercars have got the two prototypes that we've been doing the testing on now um, and we'll be able to uh, go and bang around some tracks and uh, and, and do some more development if, if need be. If the product is um, ticks the box now the way we, we're thinking it is and everything else like that, then that's a, a massive win for anyone because testing is expensive. Uh, development is extremely expensive. But um, for the betterment of the show, uh, which is the most important thing, uh, we uh, are 100% committed to uh, to making it work. Great. Yep. Well, we can't wait for it, mate. Uh, appreciate your time on the Parked Up podcast. I've just got a couple more for you. You would have seen some great days at the racetrack. You would have seen some uh, days where you um, uh, bang your forehand against your um, against your forehead and uh, and uh, wish it away. Tell me, best day at the racetrack that you've had? Oh boy, that's. Uh... I guess probably the, as I say, the first year we got away from Bathurst with not every box ticked. That's that's uh, that's a good trip home. <laughs> um, it's a long drive, ten hour drive from yeah. Melbourne. So when you've had a bad, you've got too much time to think about it. Um, so that's uh, that's not a good time. But uh, but yeah, probably the, I can't even remember what year that is to be honest with you. But um, you know, there's there's different things. Best day at the racetrack was, uh, you know, as I say, the, the the day that everyone goes home safe and sound, and uh, it, and the event's been good. You know, I, I'm still a passionate Adelaide boy, sort of thing, so I still get excited about the Adelaide races. Now I cannot wait to go back there in December. Yeah, um, those things are exciting. As for the ones that let you down, probably Bathurst again. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, it's that place is the pressure, but uh, I've I've had. Um, I've had some really, really good days and I've had some days where you, you know, you, you just sort of get hit with different emotions for different reasons. You know, um, Chaz's crash at Bathurst um, really hit me hard. Um, you know, these guys are friends and you, you don't like friends getting hurt. Um, so you, you sort of take that to heart a little bit. There's nothing to do with tyres. There's nothing to do with anything. It was, a, mm. it was a racing incident. It was a crash, you know, that happens sort of thing, but you don't like Guys hurt, you know. We had a big shunt there on uh, at the bend on Sunday. Um, the fireball in Perth, all those type of things, and everything. You just got to realise that what you do is dangerous. Um, the sport's dangerous, but um, that's why we love it. You know, it's just that element that is there in the background, sort of thing. And thank God, you know, touch wood, we don't uh, we don't face that nasty animal every every you know too often, sort of thing. So that's right, which is a good thing. But as to what my track it's got to be um yeah it's got to be 
Bathurst where you've let people down, you know, people with the, in with a shot and things go. It's just, you know, as I said, I don't make the things, but uh, on the face of the product. So you, you just feel like you let the guys down. But that that can be any track. I mean, every every race is important, especially if somebody's in a really good position. And, you know, David Reynolds' first possible race win back in the Bundaberg days over in Perth and everything and had a flat tyre. Um, when he was looking at winning the race, and as it turned out, it was actually the rim split in half. So it was nothing to do with the tyre anyway, but unfortunately, everyone says he had a flat tyre. But th- those type of days hurt you because you know how hard it is to win a race in these cars. You know, it's um, it, it's a tough business. It's a very tough business to be in sort of thing. But, um, you know, when you see a guy win his first or things like that or a first pole position or, um, you know, first championship, um, you, you sort of feel a bit proud of it, you know. It's it's you, you sort of you, you helped them along a bit, you know. But um, sometimes we get recognised. Uh, a lot of times we don't. Um, sure as hell do when things aren't going right. <laughs> we know all about that one pretty quick. But that uh, goes with the territory. I've been around a lot with a pretty thick skin, so and that emotions uh, ride pretty high with this category and um, any any sport, any sport whether whether it be sort of AFL, NRL, or um, you know any of the other sports that are that are up there with. There's uh, pressure and reputations on the line. That uh, it hurts when things go wrong. When it's things that go wrong that are out of your control, it just makes it even worse. But uh, it's hard to sell responses. But while I'm still enjoying it, I'll keep doing it. Very good, mate. And and this is tell me, this is your 60th year on planet Earth. Have you already celebrated your birthday? To be honest with you, no. Um, it was uh, the week after Winton, and. Um, no, I didn't do a great deal of celebrating. I was going to, as weird as it is, I was going to buy myself a Harley. But um, my son's trying to convince me to buy a uh, Mark One or Mark Two Escort so we can go and have some fun. So oh, um, Very cool. Uh, I'd like the like that because I'd love another XU1, but XU1s are getting too dear now. That's beyond my price range. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just sort of – it was actually funny yesterday, the Gen 3 test and everything. Somebody walked past and said, oh, um, take the valve caps off and help the old fella out. And I was like, bloody hang on a minute. <laughs> Where'd that come from? And the trouble is I was bent down under the back of the Camaro and I don't know who said it. So, um, so um, yeah, that was a bit of a weird one. Um, yeah, so that was a bit funny. But, yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, mate, I'm pretty much uh, probably the oldest one going around in the paddock at the minute. Um, I don't think anybody's over 60 now, so I'm pretty sure there's not. So um, there you go, full of experience. <laughs> it's all good fun, mate. That's Just true, no, mate. And you look, uh, you look mighty fine and fit doing what you do. Uh, this, the uh, the sport would not be the same without, and I'm sure the uh, many 99.9% uh, of the people there would um, echo my thoughts on the on, on congratulating you and thanking you for all the stuff that you do to keep the sport literally sort of going around and around and around. Yeah, it goes around and around a lot, doesn't it? So, <laughs> no, it's, it's good. You know, I actually got a nice note from Shane Howard, uh, Supercar CEO, the other night, you know, thanking me for some stuff that happened at Tail and Ben on the weekend and everything. And you just sort of do go the extra mile. Um, most people think I'm pretty crazy. Um, but, I'm committed to the sport in a weird sort of way. I guess it's, um, I hate letting people down. I hate disappointing yeah, people in general involved in the sport and everything. So if you can go that little bit further to 
right or wrong, um, I'd sort of put my hand up and do it. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just the way things uh, pan out sort of thing. Um, I'd certainly, uh, I people have sort of said, oh, you know, uh, who, who else would replace you and all the things like that and everything. And um, Aaron that works with me, we, we sort of joke a bit because I've sort of basically said, look, you know, one more contract and I'm done. I'm retiring at 67 <laughs> and stuff like that. And they're all just sitting there going, well, you're retiring as you wouldn't know what it is. Um, yeah, it's just weird. I just, um, you know, I love it. I love the job. I love um, I love the sport, the category and the people in it. So uh, they're my family. So um, apart from my real family, of course, <laughs> um, you know, you know, unfortunately, quite often I, I see them more than I see my real family a lot of times. But um, no, nah, it's it's a it's a great thing to be in, um, and uh, I'm sort of pretty proud of a lot of the achievements I've had. But as I said, the that massive eye opening moment for me was at uh, at the ridges at Bathurst last year, where I saw all those models, and just that was a serious penny dropping moment because you're just doing your job. You don't sort of really think about it, but. Um, all of a sudden, thirty years crept up, and then somebody else said, "Hang on, yeah, that's yeah, they haven't missed this race for thirty. Then it's thirty-one, then it's thirty-two, and now it's thirty-five. And uh, yeah, you just sort of move on a bit. But um, yeah, it just goes to show you're getting older. But yeah, for the first time yesterday, I got called the old fella. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that was uh, that. You know, karma will come and get that guy, whoever uh, whoever rolled that out. Uh, Kevin Fitzsimmons, thank you so much for joining me here on the Parked Up podcast. Um, a, uh, you're an absolute legend. Um, and, uh, mate, uh, I guess I'll see you at a racetrack soon. Sandown it'll be. Yeah, Sandown will be there. That <laughs> is for sure. Can I believe I haven't got COVID yet, so that hasn't got me missing a race yet. So I'm determined. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> cool, mate. Thanks again. Cheers, buddy. See you, mate. Well, that is another episode of Parked Up Run and One. Of course, thank you very much to our great supporters, Bob Jane T-Marts and Race Fuels. Thank you to Tom Randall. Thank you to Kevin Fitzsimmons, two excellent guests. Survivors, those guys are. Survivors, I reckon, is a great title. That's what I'm going to use in the uh, the social media push that uh, that you'll find. Of course, like, follow, subscribe, do all those things that you know you need to do uh, on Facebook and Instagram for Parked Up. Speaking of Parked Up, we've got Parked Up Plus. That's every Monday with Mark Fogarty. Uh, he broke a big story this week with Jack Miller, our MotoGP star, setting up his own superbikes team. If you haven't listened to that, go back uh, and listen to the most recent episode of Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Of course, we've also got Girls on the Grid. That is every Monday as well with Tanea and Priya. And you'll also be able to listen to a new episode of the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast. That comes out every second Friday. Episode five is out this week. I'll give you a little sneak peek. Gary and Darren have spoken to Rick Shaw, one of the legends of grassroots racing in Australia. Check that out on Friday. Otherwise, we're... We're done with the bend and now we're off to Queensland Raceway for some speed series action. Plenty of motorsport still to come. Uh, and of course, uh, we thank you very much for listening to the Parked Up and all the other podcasts that Network R has. We appreciate you listening. And you know what? You'll hear from us real soon. You've just listened to another Network R production. 